0: Do you accept the Bank of England governor's apology? Because on that BBC Radio 4 program, I believe he apologized for the rate of inflation. And I find this particularly fascinating because it's the Bank of England's job to prevent the inflation. So when it happens, I can not understand why he'd be apologizing, but he hasn't done anything about it. And I don't know about you, but if someone apologizes to me for something they've done and they don't change their behavior, it's not a very good apology hello and welcome to the fortune and freedom podcast where nigel farage and nikolai hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance investing and politics we hope you sit back and enjoy this episode Hello and welcome to this week in review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, all the things that we've been writing and talking about for about a year are suddenly happening at the same time. So we're going to make this a quick fire session for the week in review. We'll start with inflation. US inflation hit a year over year 6.2% rate. And uh, it was a bit of a shock to the bond market, which sort of had a bit of a spike in yields. What do you make of the inflation and can it continue?
1: It a shock to the entirety of the political and global elite financial institutions and indeed the heads and regulators. Um, on this side of the pond uh, one of the worst decisions Boris Johnson's made amongst many is to make Mr Andrew Bailey the boss of the Bank of England. This is the man who had a very 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 uh, undistinguished career as head of the FCA, uh, was known for inaction In fact, his nickname in the city is Andrew Out to Lunch Bailey because he doesn't actually do anything. He's been telling us at the start of this year, there is no inflation. There's only a few conspiracy theorists, people like that, chap, I suspect, who tell us inflation's coming. It is not going to happen. And that then uh, mutates, which is, of course, sort of word of the year, really, isn't it? Into what it is happening, but it's okay. It's only transitory. It's completely under control. And now what he says is, um, well, yes, actually, we've got a bit of a problem here. Across the other side of the pond, exactly the same from Jay Powell, the Fed, from Biden, Um, it ain't happening, it ain't a problem. Now, after the 6.2% figure, the rumors on Capitol Hill is that Biden is now in full panic mode. Well, we could say, we told you so. Um, And I guess the question is, You know, we called this and called it right. Where does it go from here? I'm going to repeat the phrase, Nick, I've used with you several times that I learned 30 or more years ago, which is inflation is a disease of money caused by government. And once you catch that disease, it's much more difficult to get rid of than anybody ever imagines. Using interest rates, of course, is the classic way of doing it. Uh, And once again, Bailey, bizarre. I mean, they signal to the world they're going to put rates up. Then they don't put rates up, but they say they're going to put rates up soon. And frankly, his interview uh, with BBC Radio Force Today programme uh, just shows, I mean, frankly, well, let's be honest about it. You know, the Bank of England's run by an old duffer. He's an old establishment Romaniac duffer. Um, and, and I don't think they know what to do, but I think we understand this. And I think we know that in times of inflation, people look for alternative Places to put their money, Um, gold. Interestingly, which has been zip zapping in this sort of trading range, sort of 1750, 1800 trading range, going up and down 25, 30 bucks in a day for almost no reason whatsoever. But suddenly this week we have seen a slightly marked move on the upside for gold, and I I do begin to think there's some momentum there. That said, you know we have to acknowledge that more of that hedge money is going into crypto, um, and crypto once again has had just the most you know astonishing <clears throat> moves on the upside both Bitcoin and ethereum and I know that Sam Volkering talks about all the other little um, cryptocurrencies sov and, and things like that and and okay fine you know in, in terms of percentages you can make and lose uh, they're pretty wild but what is happening and it's worth noting is that not only you know as the SEC in America you know approved, Ethereum and Bitcoin as financial products to trade. Um, there is a, a sort of wider acceptance across America and in American cities that this stuff is here to stay. So I think we very much stay with our view, Nick, uh, that you've got to be in gold um, and 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 you know with a really quite solid chunk of your money in gold, um, and that it's worth having a bit in crypto, recognising that it's a wild ride.
0: You've rattled through most of my list of topics in one go, and I didn't even send it to you beforehand. Our colleague, Will Dahl, he asked the readers an interesting question. Do you accept the Bank of England governor's apology? Because on that BBC Radio 4 program, I believe he apologized for the rate of inflation. And I find this particularly fascinating because it's the Bank of England's job to prevent the inflation. So when it happens, I can understand why he'd be apologizing. But he hasn't done anything about it. And I don't know about you, but if someone apologizes to me for something they've done and they don't change their behavior,
1: it's not a very good apology. Oh, well, I repeat, Andrew out to lunch Bailey, known for his inaction at the FCA, and so it's proving at the Bank of England. Uh, It it is, I have to say, with Brexit Britain, the appointment of the governor of the Bank of England was a very important decision. It is damn disappointing uh, that Boris Johnson chose somebody from the blob, as it's known, the sort of the bureaucratic, technocratic class that have been running our country for far too long. Um, And, you know, what, what they should be doing Uh, also is, you know, they should be talking very seriously about supply-side reform in the economy, uh, the chance to not even deregulate, but simplify this massive regulation that's been put on businesses through successive EU directives over the course of nearly half a century. And yet, uh, Bailey never even talks about that. And he's the kind of guy that could talk about these things. And he should be having meetings with the government. He should be there with Rishi Sunak. And they should be saying, how do we help? entrepreneurial Britain really get back on its feet where many of them are the ones that have paid the price for the pandemic. And yet there appears to be absolutely none of that either.
0: You mentioned the cryptocurrency uh, stories that are playing out and I want to mention that Sam Volkering our mutual colleague who you also mentioned he took three ten bag of profits in three days so three one thousand percent or more gains in three days and that he's actually got some information out about what happens next in the cryptocurrency boom so depending on when you're watching this video there might be a link below to find out more. Last but not least I want to ask you about the COVID situation in Europe? Because one of the things that we talked about is whether or not the UK could, could turn this vaccination lead into an outperformance when it comes to COVID, which obviously has a big impact on the economy. At the moment, I don't know if it's the, the vaccinations that are behind it. Well, in fact, I doubt it is. But it seems to me that Europe is going to be in for a very bad winter and the UK seems to still sort of be trending along sideways. What do you make of that?
1: Yeah, I think in relative terms, uh, with the infections in the UK, whilst they're still running at a pretty high number, It is mostly kids, not all, but it is mostly kids. Um, I suppose my concern is slightly different. Uh, My concern uh, is more one from a libertarian standpoint than the economic standpoint right at this moment in time. Uh, And it's this, as the pandemic is fading, governments all over the world are putting in tougher and tougher restrictions. We have had this week in this country alone over 50 thousand people can no longer work in care homes as of yesterday because they either haven't had the vaccine or they don't want to have the vaccine or whatever it may be Um, and that uh, stricture applies to the national health service from the first of april next year they've announced that unless we get booster jabs we can't go to france after the 15th of december i'm not not, you know i'm not an anti-vaxxer but i just do not like uh, the hectoring bullying way governments all over europe are behaving and the creation of a two-tier society, the jabbed and the jabbed-nots, if I can call them that. I mean, Austria, Schellenberg, the new chancellor of Austria, is even suggesting that if they have a bad winter, they'll lock down the unvaccinated. I mean, that's pretty blooming frightening stuff. As for the economic impacts um, over the course of this winter, I, actually, I have a feeling in this country that life is going to continue pretty much as it is. I I, I don't see any great radical change. There's still a reasonable percentage of people that aren't going out again. There's a fair few people not going back to the pub, not going out to the theatre. There's still an element of the population that are very, very scared. And I see them walking around the streets with their masks on I think, God, dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, But that's the way that it is. But I I don't think any attempt to try and lock us down again, frankly, would succeed. I think life will just continue.
0: What would it mean, though, if... if a big chunk of Europe, there's talk of of the Dutch and the Germans going back into lockdown. And that difference between the UK and Europe, do you think that could lead to some sort of political rift? I mean, I'm assuming if it does happen, they'd take it out on us in terms of Brexit issues.
1: The rift is there already. I went to to Brussels this week for the first time since we left the European Union on the 31st of January 2020. And I I went back this week uh, to catch up on a couple of legal things and and tidy a few bits up and see some old friends. you can't buy a beer in Belgium without showing a vaccine passport. So you have to get out. I got out my NHS, I printed off my NHS vaccination certificate because that's much safer, I think. To have a bit of paper is much safer these days. You know, Your phone runs out of battery, you can't board a flight or whatever it may be. So piece of advice for everybody. You know, if you do need this stuff, get it printed out on paper. So to go for a beer, to go for lunch, I have to allow someone to photograph a document with my NHS number, and frankly, you could hack into my NHS number as easy as pie. We looked at it. We played around with this the other day. So we're living in a world where we're having to give all our potentially all of our medical information over to commercial companies, and I and I think long term, no good is going to come of that. I really, really, really mean that. And look, I keep asking the question: if I've been vaccinated as opposed to the person next to me who hasn't, how much difference is there in my ability to pick up the virus and transmit it? And nobody can give me a proper answer. You know, I'm being told by medical people who I interview on GB News, oh, well, um, actually, if you've had the vaccine, you're far less likely to contract it and pass it on, but nobody can give me hard numbers. And even Boris Johnson said, the vaccine does not stop people from being carriers of the virus. And my what my worry nick with it with the care sector and the NHS is this. If having the vaccine makes you much less likely to be ill, and that does look to be proven pretty comprehensively, it's also possible that you could have the virus and be more likely to be asymptomatic, and therefore perhaps even more likely to pass it on to a patient or somebody else. So, so I, I think there was still a lot. a a, a very big unanswered questions. Uh, But it is interesting to think, isn't it, that in the care home sector in this country, 10% of people who had the gun pointed at them were told, get the vaccine or you lose their jobs, have just lost their jobs. And I don't think this 10, 12% that haven't had the vaccine, I don't see that number changing. So what do we do? Do we learn to live with people because of their conscience or do we create a two-tier society? And that's a very, very big ethical question going on from
0: here i think people need to think carefully about the answer given that the same sort of thinking can be applied to other decisions that we make every day not just vaccinations nigel thanks for joining me and thanks everyone at home for joining us